Hello and welcome to Horror. This is a fortnightly podcast in which myself, Lee, and Adam will be taking our friend Chris on a journey through the twisted world of horror cinema in the hopes of introducing him to some of the many delights the genre has to offer. The premise is very simple. We will sit down together and watch a film. As soon as it's finished, we will sit down and record the podcast immediately afterwards. As such, it will be very spoiler-heavy, and we do suggest you watch the film yourself before listening to the podcast, not only so we don't spoil it, but also so you know exactly what we're talking about. At the end of each discussion, we'll decide what film we'll be watching next, and we'll let you know so you have a fortnight to watch it yourselves, and then come on our journey with us again. Along the way, there will be facts, laughs, opinions, probably quite a lot of swearing. Any full frontal nudity will be completely irrelevant, as this is audio only. So, with the introduction over, it's now time for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Excellent. Right. So, um, good evening and welcome to Horror. Uh, I'm Lee. I'm Adam. And I'm Chris. If this podcast doesn't scare you to death, you're already dead. Nice. Good callback to this evening's movie. Um, and we're also joined this evening by Jennifer again, um, following the Ghostwatch episode. I think it was the last one you did, wasn't it? No, Frankenstein. Oh, and, and Brian Frankenstein, of course. Oh, yeah. Coming a regular. Ah. Yeah. Well, it's difficult. Oh, and, I was going to say, when you live in the same house, yeah. yeah. And the, uh, the horror on scene. Horror on scene, mm. yes. I like your slippers. Did you nick them up by <gasps> Bonanza? <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to say that as a compliment. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm playing with Lee, the, the game, how many compliments do I get to them versus how many... You know, negatives. Yeah. So I'm my, taking that. I, That's going in the compliment box. My negatives are currently far way out. out no, no, weighing. You can only have one, say. Well, I think they look like you've stolen them from yes. a drunken, retarded Eskimo. The best thing about panto slippers <laughs> is if you're looking for them, they're behind you. You're always, <laughs> <laughs> always ready for panto. <laughs> Uh, right, so this evening we have watched In the Mouth of Madness, um, which was a listener request from uh, our friend Bobby over at the Not For Everyone podcast. Hey. He was, um, yeah, he was keen to hear yeah. what you would make of it, Chris. Um, was he? Well, yeah, and hear your, hear your insight. He is uh, clearly learning what to recommend. Oh, that's Ooh. good then. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that was following you recommended The Descent, didn't you, when they did their. That's um, right, yes. Their January listeners' requests. They did, well, and yeah. and then they did... Um, uh, oh, and I, I requested two, because I requested that one, and then I also requested uh, Killer Clowns from Out Space, which I also covered. Ah, um, yes. Because it's a classic. Who doesn't like Killer Clowns from Out Space? Yeah. I was going to take issue with that, with you about that, now, Eve was apparently saying something about killer clowns the other day, but I think she was kind of saying killer clowns, so we don't know what she heard. It was one or the other. But Lee does it, pop round and whisper yeah. in her ear sometimes when she's asleep. <gasps> yeah. Eve. Things to scare <laughs> <Shirley. laughs> Tell mummy you've seen them. <laughs> 
Luckily, we haven't babysat, so you think mm. it's probably safe yeah, that you haven't. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't quite know, would you? <laughs> well, this is true. Um, right, so before we get to uh, the main discussion this evening, a um, couple of bits of housekeeping. Firstly, uh, Wayward Son Andy has given us a five-star review on iTunes. Yes, um, thank, in, you. thank in, you. In December, which is amazing. Thank you so much. I am shit at checking the reviews. Um because they you don't get a notification. Yeah. So I'm so it's one of those things I only think of every couple of months. Um so thank you ever so much and thank you for listening. Um yeah, uh, we really do appreciate it. Um if anyone else would like to go and do the same, we'd be massively appreciative and I promise we will check them more reg well, Chris, as I'm handing the job over to Chris, we'll be checking them more regularly now. Right, so before we get to the main event, Adam, have you been watching anything recently? Um horror or um, I, oh, I bought, um, apart from, on recommendation from Not For Everyone podcast, I bought American Gothic, not the TV series, the one with Rod Steiger and Yvonne DiCarlo. Oh, yes. And uh, the other one that they did fairly recently, which was the Spanish film set in the cinema. I think, the whole... Oh, yeah, that sounded really interesting. You'll have to let yeah. me know. That sounded yeah. really so, mental. Yeah, the name escapes me at the moment because it's one word. Uh, I also watched The Untamed, which is definitely my second favourite domestic drama in which someone's having sex with a squid beast from another dimension. Oh, your second for after Possession? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because Possession's got Sam Neill in it. So, yes. you know, which links in nicely. Yes, so. and, and, and that could be your favourite Sam Neill. Oh, I don't know. No, mm. but that could be Event Heroism. Okay. <laughs> Event Heroism, which is. Good choice. Yes. Um, Chris, have you been watching anything horror? Or? No, no horror lately. I finished The Good Place. I oh, think, yeah. Well, at least, I don't know if it was the actual final end. I didn't check, but but it was good. And Dirk Gently's, which we have to re- watch the previous season because so much happened, trying to remember where it got to. Yeah, it jumped a around difficult. a lot. Yeah, you, you said you found it way too yeah, too much. Yeah, but I, I thought it was fantastic. I loved. I thought the writing was excellent, and the way they brought it together at the end, I thought was very good. So hopefully, this season will be good. Excellent. Um, we what have I watched since last uh, last weekend? I rewatched um, the World's End, the Yo, Edgar the Wright Clemento um, trilogy. Yes. Yeah, Pig and Frost. Yeah, which is brilliant. I have had the House Martins happy hour in my head for the entire week now, but that's fine. I can I can live with that. It's not terrible, so. Um, but yeah, I I I always enjoy that more than I think I'm going to because it's my least favourite of the three. Yeah. I think I always think oh it's a bit ropey, and then every time I watch it, I'm surprised just how much I enjoy it. Really. Yeah, I think it's the only one I didn't see at the cinema out of the three. And then when I finally uh, got round to it, I was like, mm. what, what are the three? So, Shaun of the Dead, yeah. Hot Fuzz. Oh, uh, okay, I didn't realise Hot Fuzz was related to them. Yeah. Should yeah. that have been obvious? It, well, it's Edgar Wright and it's starring yeah. uh, Simon Pegg and, and Frost. Nick Frost. So. Mm. What did you think, Jennifer, on re-watching it? Cause yes, yeah, no, I think it it mellows with time, but I think, yeah, it is good. As you say, I think when we watched it, it was like, Oh, it's not quite as good as Shaun of the Dead, because that was amazing. Mm. But, absolutely, it's in its own right. It's very good. But I think I preferred mm. Hot Fuzz to Shaun of the Dead as well, so I found it uh. got sort of better, and then... 
Because we went on release day, do you remember? Because it came out the same week as Pacific Rim and... It might have been Despicable Me 2. I remember I booked the day off work and stayed in the cinema and watched the first two on my own during the day. And then you and Chris Jones joined me in the evening. Oh, did we watch for Despicable Me? No, no, so I watched Despicable Me and... Uh. Pacific Rim. Yes, right. And we would have and joined you for. You Hot joined Buzz. me for. No, for um, oh, World's End. Okay. On the night of release. Did you say so? Because Shaun of the Dead was the. We went to see that on the bank holiday. You and, yes. you and Dean went off uptown and I got left in the shopping centre with literally no fucker around. <laughs> <laughs> and had a zombie apoc- a mini zombie apocalypse adventure. It was lovely. Nice. Just people skulking around. There was a cleaner in the distance who couldn't. Basically, couldn't be asked to talk to me, so I said, Excuse me, is the daughter? Mm. <laughs> oh, this is getting fucking weirder. <laughs> go down there, the gates are shut. Shit, I've got to get back out around the car park. <laughs> <sighs> that was a shiver of that one. It was great. <laughs> Sorry, yes. Um, what else? We- oh, um, Crooked House watched last weekend as well. The Agatha Christie. Oh, sorry, I thought you was the, the no, yeah, no, Mark no, Gatiss not the Mark Gatiss one thing we covered uh, Christmas, yeah. The Agatha Christie one again, not horror, but no, kind of is pretty horror. Um, yeah, yeah, it did say in the advert, you know, Agatha Christie's most twisted tale, and it absolutely was. But yeah, it's fantastic. Glenn Close, Julian uh, uh, Anderson, um, yeah, it was pretty good. Cool. Really enjoyed it. Oh, and I finally started, I mean, it's way behind, but I finally started Black Mirror on Netflix. Oh, oh yes. So, yeah, I've watched the uh, Nosedive, the first one of Series 3. Because obviously yes. I, I know all the Channel 4 ones. That's the Star Trek yeah. one. Uh, no, that is the, this is Series 3, not Series 4. Yeah, oh. series So that's the, it's the one where... With the app where you yeah, get Yeah, where you likes. get likes. Yeah. And that, yes. was, that was also particularly... Because I had spent about 15 minutes moaning to Claire going, I'm down to 199 <laughs> on Instagram. And then I watched that and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's probably better to watch that now than like, when it first came out. Yeah, yeah, it, just, it was precisely the right day. Mm. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, so if anyone's got any suggestions, what, tell us what yeah. you've been watching. Um, let us know. You can message us below. Um, our email's at info at welcome to horror dot com um, uh, you can message us on Instagram yeah or alternatively you can come and find us on the Facebook but yeah let us know what you've been watching and uh, and give us some suggestions because we're always up for watching new stuff but also just before we crack in Claire did send me a message earlier with the hashtag ask welcome to horror so Ooh. I'm kind of thinking sod it let's do that that's a brilliant uh, idea. her question to be put to the bureau um, <laughs> if a werewolf landed on the moon would it touch down as a man or wolf <laughs> uh, I'd, I'm going wolf I'd it'd be wolf and it'd be a superhero landing yeah like a full on oh, knee yeah. down <laughs> yeah definitely I'm yeah. going wouldn't land there's enough gravity is there to actually you know I think I think sort of I think via rocket. I'm touch. assuming. Oh, yeah. okay. Although you'd have to have a specially oh. adapted suit, wouldn't you? You'd have to have like a snout yeah, shaped yeah, stick. Yeah. And also, it depends what sort of werewolf you're going to be. If you're going to be a uh, Lon Chaney Junior werewolf, where you're just up on your tippy toes, <laughs> it's not too bad. But if you're going to go full blown Ameri- uh, American, American werewolf, werewolf yeah. it'll have to be a specially adapted suit that can then go on four legs. And mm. yeah. 
They are adapting them now, the spacesuits, though, for shorter people. So apparently they now have, like, movable arms and legs to enable them to be made shorter for the shorter astronauts that are going up there. What, they don't make, Mainly, they don't, like, make them their own suit? They just... No, 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 no they're, they're, they're all off expensive. the bed. No. They just make expensive, a yeah. That's why... That's so the short women have all been struggling around. Like, imagine wearing, you know, clothes too big for you. That's why if you watch the thing, not only are the astronauts, they're all bloody six foot, but they're also bald with a moustache. <laughs> it's always male pattern baldness and a moustache, so they all have a slightly sort of 80s sex offender look. And I don't know if that's something to do with testosterone. Well, Is that yeah. Right? sending the sex offenders? <laughs> yeah, yeah get, them, get them out. You know. yeah. We've had enough. We, we were putting them in football teams, but then obviously after 1969 they landed guess, on the moon. Yeah. So yeah, it was like... oh, Schools, no longer a safe place either. No, no. send them to the moon. Yeah, but yeah, everyone's got that sort of like, you just think, your bollocks must be fizzing. <laughs> you know. so, so I'm intrigued. Uh, What's the backstory? Why did Claire think up that question? I have What's... no idea. I think <laughs> she, question. she yeah. just basically Claire loves space, so I think she's constantly kind of thinking about landing on the moon. And then, yeah, the whole wolf full moon thing came to her. But I suppose mm. you would be seeing a full moon at that point because you. On it. You're on yeah. it, yeah, that but makes perfect. What a fucking film that is. What mm. we need to make that film. Wolfman on the Moon. Wolfman Wolfman on the Moon, where three people go to the moon, but one of them's a werewolf, but he oh. doesn't fucking know. Now that is a genius idea. Yeah. Get the video camera. Yes. Um to the garage. <laughs> Excellent. Right, so yeah, so if you've got any questions, please put them to us. That'd be amazing. Yeah. We'd be more than happy to uh to turn this into a feature every yeah, week. Yeah, hashtag welcome, uh, ask welcome to horror. Yeah. yeah. No matter how ridiculous, whatever, in fact, that's preferable. Yeah, absolutely. The more ridiculous or crude, the better. Um, right, so, on to this evening's movie. As we say, listener request. Um, great request. It is a fantastic request. Oh, it's a fucking great film. It is, and it's one that I can't believe hasn't come up today. Oh, what with us? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, especially because it's related to the Prince of Darkness. Yeah. Mm. And I've learned the thing. It would say. Yes, the the, the apocalypse and trilogy. That mm. yes, and that has come up a few times. It so has. I guess that is now on the list mm. for not too distant future. I'll bring the Blu-ray. Because isn't yeah. that one of your favourites? That's oh. probably it's probably my top three films. Mm. Certainly top John Carpenter film. There we go. Okay. In terms of John Carpenter films, though, I think In the Mad for Madness is probably two or three, really, because I always forget how much I love it until I watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. And it, it's funny, it's, it's of the John Carpenter movies, for some reason, it feels the least John Carpenter to me. I think because it's so H.P. Lovecraft and Stephen King that mm. it, all that sort of overweighs his hand in it to so I guess I, yeah I don't know exactly what I should feel like a John Carpenter film is yet enough yeah. to know because I would have thought this seemed it did remind me of The Prince of Darkness in some ways yeah, it has that later Carpenter fit which is good I think it might have something to do and this just bear me out on this hmm. it lacks the Carpenter font yeah the John Carpenter font that's all over like <clears throat> Most of his stuff that they nicked for Doomsday. Yeah, yeah. Like the Neil Marshall film. Yeah. It's Neil Marshall's Doomsday in that font. And it's like, 
right, okay, so doing Escape from New York and everything kind of in Scotland. Yeah. Yeah, you can, it's wearing its influence on its fonts as well as its sleeve. Yes. But yeah, this doesn't have the the, the typical John Carpenter font that a lot of... Or the soundtrack. Does. Soundtrack is him. It, but it's a completely different style. It mm. isn't anything like his normal... I love it though, because I was listening to it before we, um, before we recorded. Actually, truth be told... This is second attempt watch because yes. Chris had to deal with an emergency at work last time. Yes, so, um, and you requested we start from the beginning, which I think was a good request. Yeah, because it did build again. That's nicely. the thing is, I think it's everything links. Mm. It's really nicely put together. Yeah, in that sense. But um, no, because it's John Carpenter and a guy called and why is my brain failing me? A guy called Jim Lang. Mm-hmm. And the only other thing that John Carpenter did with him, because he, he usually works with a guy called Alan Howarth, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, with Jim Lang, he also did uh, the soundtrack to Body Bags, like the anthology yeah. one that he did. Um, Jim Lang's other claim to fame is he is the musician who did like wrote the soundtrack for the cartoon Hey Arnold. Oh God, I remember that. Yeah, that's just a, a weird thing, but that's apparently that's his sort of. His big claim to fame, other than if I met him, in which case it would be like, you met John Carpenter, what was he like? Tell me now, how did he smell? <laughs> but yeah, so I think, and but it's also the first time that Carpenter goes off into the more guitar-y end of stuff. Yeah. Because like the obviously the opening tune is quite, like, quite guitar-based, and then you get like, Vampires has got a lot of sort of, sort of Morricone-style guitar in mm-hmm. it and stuff like that, and then... Anthrax are on Ghosts of Mars. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's it seems to be... it's Actually, probably um, That and They Live are the first ones where he starts getting yeah. more guitars are in there rather than just pure synth. Yeah. But there are also a couple of no- moments in that that are pure 90s soundtrack, mm. like predictive. Because he's still using the electronica, but it's sort of like he's updated... So it gets more in the trip hop end of sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like towards the end, especially of in the Math of Madness, there's a couple of tracks on there that like this sounds like it. Like so I was listening to it, and there was um, there were bits. It reminded me of like later Hellraiser sequels and things like yeah. that, where a lot of the time the soundtrack's the best bloody thing. <laughs> but it's that's or Stigmata and those kind of films, you know, yeah. where it was sort of like mid nineties. Um, again, it's still electronic score, but it's moved on from its 70s and 80s stuff and you're getting into like more that production yeah. stuff but yeah yeah more sort of metally stuff that was going on metal y and a lot and just a lot more he doesn't there's not a lot of themes in this this is much more atmospheres yeah um and again i don't know if that's the influence of jim lang or whether jim lang sort of you know how it worked it might even be just been jim lang had a nice set of keyboards but um, so a lot of it is kind of more atmospheres and things and there's a lot more sort of undertow bass almost like the stuff we now see with like it with Ben Wolfish and Hans Zimmer and people like that where they've got a lot of that sort of sounding stuff and there's little bits in there like that so yeah sorry Um, but yeah I I cream my pants because it's John Carpenter soundtrack so I have to (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so I thought right from the start, um, showing the newspaper clips, that was quite fast-paced to begin with, but I, I thought this was a great pace throughout. 
as well. <clears throat> it does go when you consider it's only an hour and thirty five mm. minutes. There's a lot goes on in that in that time frame. Yeah, and, and like when as soon as he's brought into the what was it like an asylum? Or, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's the other? Sanatorium? Sanatorium? Yes. I think I don't think there's I think a sanatorium is much more to do with sort of medical health. Okay. Where it's but yeah, uh, I mean but I love the fact it's a proper it shows you the the loving degree in which asylums mm. were made then in so yeah. much as it's a mattress on the floor and a bucket for your piss. Yeah. And but at least it was, was a padded wall, you know. That yeah, must but have not been a like padded door, so you just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's mad. He ain't thick. Just broke <laughs> well, the fucking door. Apparently, he's not mad. No. None of them are mad. No. But of course, if yeah, it is funny, isn't it? If you're trying to convince people you're not mad, don't do all of those things that he did. Yeah, yeah. That's that is every, that is that's almost like the checklist. Of yeah. Don't do that to convince people. You lot have all learned that, haven't you? Yeah. Following the rules every day. Cool. Yeah. Um, so address something that you said, Jennifer, during the film, when you said, I know that bloke, who do I know him from? The guy who's running the asylum, oh, um, he yeah. is in Scrooged. Oh, is he? With Bill Murray. He plays the guy who's brought in to help him, but is ultimately... Bryce in. Cummings. Yes. yes. Yeah, that yes. guy's that guy's oh. John Glover. He's also Clamp in Gremlins 2. Yes, yes he is. That was like the Trump substitute. I was yeah. thinking that and I yes. couldn't remember if it actually was or not. I yeah. didn't wanna... Annoying in a suit, that's how I yeah. can picture um, it. He's, he's the Magnavolt salesman mm. in Robocop 2 and apparently mm. Dr. Jason Woodrue in Batman and Robin, but he's probably rubbed that off the CV. Yeah. <laughs> and also he was, um, he was Lionel Luther. Who is Lex Luthor's dad in Smallville? You know the sort of young Superman oh, yeah, yeah. series that was on, um, but also Kojak, Twilight Zone, Miami Vice, Murder She Wrote, L.A. Law, Tales from the Crypt, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, Frasier, Heroes, Agent Carter, The Good Wife, and he's the voice of the Riddler in the Batman animated series. And actually, I think he'd make a pretty good fucking Riddler, live action Riddler as yeah. well. He's you've got he the right looks... sort of yeah, sort of stringy madman. Yeah, but yeah, a great actor. But yeah, he's no, and it's, I mean, really, it's not all that big a role in this. But he, he, is, he has a bit of a smile at points. Yeah, he just yeah, he just does it. Sort of. I always got him I, for years. I was getting him confused with the Doctor out of Scrubs. Mm. You know the the, oh, the right, sort of yeah. the bastard Doctor out of yeah. Scrubs who's who's yeah. in Stand Against Evil. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was yeah. I sort of got them two confused, and I also, for some reason, thought they were both possibly related to Gary Busey, or was that just because it might have something to do with their both being in Predator Two? But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a long day. <laughs> so, but yeah. So so they bring him in, and he goes into the cell, and then along comes the other guy. David Warner. David Warner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, I'm sure Adam will tell us in a minute. But yeah, so he starts interviewing him, and I thought it was really good because they set the scene nicely for. We think he's mad because of the way he's been acting, Mm. but then they talk about what's going on on the outside. So it's like it gives you a hint of well, there's something else possibly happening. Mm. Is he really mad, or actually is he sane? And the rest of the world is going mad, and why? And so yeah, I thought that was a great way to so, And then of course he is drawn all of the crosses and so it's kind of sets a religious idea there's something happening. Mm. Um See I wondered if that's a homage to 
David Warner being in the Omen, where yes. Patrick Troughton's put crosses and yeah, pasted the Bible yeah. all over his uh, walls in the flat. That's, that's exactly what it reminds me of, the yeah. look of it, yeah. But, but the whole thing, it turns out, is does have a religious element to it. Mm. Um, and I sort of thought that was interesting because in The Prince of Darkness, that is also to do religious. Yeah. Um, and again, also the contrast of science and religion. So it seems like John Coulter is interested in the idea of what can science explain and it, mm. it is, and again, I think that goes back to the HP Love because this is absolutely an HP Lovecraft world story. Okay. It feels, um, yeah, and he always melded those two quite closely mm. as well. It was always a scientist or an archaeologist. It's, it's a good contrast. Finding yeah, things, yeah. yeah. That that then is that not because that was of his time or you know science and religion? Oh yeah, I mean mm. uh, uh, Lovecraft was the thirties. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so again, it was... Well, Lovecraft was an absolute atheist who was mm. obsessed, essentially, with what we would now call quantum physics. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah. It was all multi-dimensional stuff. But again, it yeah. was a lot of that descriptive things that were described as undescribable, which, yeah. which was what they referenced a lot in this. Which, which is why H.P. Lovecraft was never able to give a decent description of the police as <laughs> to any crime. How do you describe them? Undescribable, mm. you know. Uh, they've got one of those amorphous. Fa- yeah, <laughs> the, the sort of face that bumps against the mirror of your mind and just <laughs> squeezes down it, like one of them octopuses that you throw at the wall. Yeah, and all the tentacles and stuff as yeah. well. I thought was. Oh yeah, the tentacle horror, the... and it all being set in New England. Like it was yeah. absolutely. Mm. Well, also, I mean, they've got like the books that uh, he's got in there. Because obviously Sutter Kane is kind of... The name is Stephen King, yeah. essentially. Unlike Stephen King, you can't open beer bottles on his face. Um, but the novels are all kind of... like You've got the Hobbs End horror, which is like the Dunwich horror. Yeah. You've got... Um, uh, there's other books. In there. There's The Feeding, which sounds kind of Lovecrafty. Yeah. Whisperer of the Dark... Which is essentially the Whisper in Darkness. Yeah. Uh, the thing in the basement, the thing on the doorstep. Yeah. Uh, the breathing tunnel, which is again such a Lovecraftian title, yeah. even though. Uh, and the Haunter out of time, which is kind of a combo of the Haunter of the Dark and the Shadow out of time. Yes. Haunter so, of the Dark is my favourite. Mm, of all the HP Lovecraft stories. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a, a lot of um, it's it, he is clearly. Yeah, his fiction is clearly Lovecraftian. Exactly, and the fact it's got that whole, uh, like the shadow over Innsmouth, mm. like the people are all turning into these strange, yeah. technically creatures. Which... And also the the hotel. Yes, Pick- yes Pickman course, Hotel, yeah. there is a, a story called Pickman's Model. Um, and, yeah, so it's like Mrs. Pickman and the Pickman Hotel is, yeah. again, a uh, Lovecraft oh. uh, riff, yeah. So... But I mean, we can't ignore we can't ignore him because he came into the room and he spoke to Sam Neill. And if you speak to Sam Neill, you're important. <laughs> um, but yeah, David Warner, because you were asking Jennifer um, for he he was also in. I for, keep forgetting this, but he's in the bod, in the hair segment of Body Bags, um, like the John Carpenter oh, anthology God, one. Yes, yeah. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, Jennings in the Omen. Uh, he's evil personified in Time Bandits. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, right. Yes, yes, yes. Sark in Tron, the main sort of yeah. menace in yeah. Tron. Um, Stevenson, a.k.a. Jack the Ripper, in Time After Time. 
he's in From Beyond the Grave, Waxwork. Oh, he's well, Dr. Waxwork. That's yeah. a great film. He's Dr. Erasmus P. in the League of Gentlemen's Apocalypse. Yes. No. The one who builds a homunculus. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, he's... Um, he was in. He was in the two. He was in Star Trek five and six, and oh yeah, f- five and six. Um, in the Man with Two Brains, that's the Steve Martin one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Doctor Necessitor, um, Doctor Madden in Necronomicon Book of the Dead. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. I've got that. He was in Scream two. Uh, Dennis Charles Nipple in Little Malcolm and his struggle against the eunuchs, which is a which is a really weird sort of Citizen Smith sort of thing with uh, John Hurt. Really great, okay. but he's but he's like he's like sort of but it's like from the very early seventies, so they're mm. all quite young in it, and he's like his dippy mate. But he's sort of like um, I think I should watch that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Henry Niles in Straw Dogs. Uh, Spicer Lovejoy in Titanic apparently because I've never seen it Um, but also Thomas Eckhart in the second series of Twin Peaks yes Um, Eli Levitt in Wild Palms which I've really got to watch again Um, but he was Jor-El in the New Adventures of Superman series been in Doctor Who Uh, Van Helsing in Penny Dreadful yeah. Uh, yeah. Sir Andrew Pike in Inside Number Nine, The Trial of Elizabeth Gadge. Yes. Oh my oh. God! It's turned into a bottle. <laughs> Don't worry. Yes. The demon is inside the bottle. Yeah. Um, and then Zed Carr's Father Dowling, Diagnosis, Murder, Tales from the Crypt, Star Trek: The Next Generation. He's done a whole fucking Star Trek. Perry Mason, Babylon Five. I say I remember him from a, an old cheesy eighties comedy horror, which again is one of the very first sort of horror things I remember seeing at a very early age yeah My Best Friend's a Vampire um, oh yes yeah uh, when he I plays a Van Helsing character yes definitely I've mm. got that upstairs it's a phenomenally strange film he also is uh, the, Mark Gates did a really good sci-fi comedy on the radio for three years and he was the main villain in it Dr. Clench uh, but he's also the voice of Razar Gobel in the animated oh, Batman okay. He's the Red Skull in Spider-Man. Um, he was in uh, the animated Doctor Who Dreamlands, uh, Scooby-Doo. This, I charge you with, Lee, we need to find this. And in fact, I shall do it in his voice. We need to find this, Lee. He's also in a TV movie called Cast a Deadly Spell, which is a comedy horror film noir featuring a 1940s detective, H. Philip Lovecraft, Ooh. being hired to track down the Necronomicon. That sounds very good. I've read about this loads. It was like a pilot. It was like a sort of TV movie, but a pilot for a series that never happened. But basically, it's set in a world where everyone has the ability to use magic, but this private detective doesn't. But it's a Lovecraft comedy noir. You need to text me that so I can have a proper research. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, so he's in that, and it's it's called Cast a Deadly Spell. It was in... Sharon got me that uh, book of H.P. Lovecraft where it was like the films of H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. And that's listed in there. And ever since I saw that, I was like, oh, I need to see this and then keep forgetting about it. But yeah, when it came up with this, I thought, yeah, you've definitely got to... You, you, you must... You, you seek we, it out, boy. Yes, yeah, you absolutely have to find that. Go seek it. Um, but yeah, again, such a small role, really, in the... 
there's a lot of fucking good actors in this. Yeah. Like, you know, mm. sort of... Charlton Heston See, again. Like, having yeah, so I'm, I'm not like a on. huge fan of him in real life. He's not typically uh, my sort of person. No. Who, Charlton Heston? Yeah. No. But, um, but he does have a unique look and character that yeah. does suit some roles. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if this, this wasn't necessarily his best role, but it is kind of entertaining to see him and... It, you know, he plays a good kind of boss character, telling everyone to clear out. Yeah, know. I think I think this is the thing: is it, it's you need a lot of. It's that thing of having to sell weird shit and having to sell horror believably. You need really mm. good actors, and frankly, you know, certainly in terms of like most of the cast of this, are just like. Real fucking heavyweights who, yeah. you know, not necessarily sort of big draw names, but people who are like they—they've done it a lot, you know, yeah. and can do well. Sam Neill, obviously, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, down, especially you know. at this time, at this time as well, mm. was it when he's got his so yes, yeah, yeah. So that's what I was going to say. So I, so Event Horizon that was nineteen ninety seven, um, eight, ninety seven, yeah, yeah, okay. So that I think was the first time I'd ever seen him. And obviously, I, I think he played a fantastic role in that. Yeah. Um, so this, you say, was his height. So what else was he? What else had he done? Um, well, for John Carpenter, he's in the Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Okay. Um, David Jenkins in that. Obviously, probably his biggest, you know, his biggest exposure was his Doctor Grant in Jurassic Park. Yeah, but that, so that came off. That, uh, that, that would have been no. That would have been just before this, actually, oh. uh, ninety three. Oh, okay, so That's just funny. before mm. Mouth of Madness. Um, actually, his big sort of exposure really was he played the grown up Damien in the Final Conflict, the third was, Omen yes. film, mm. um, which is eighty one. Okay, um, but yeah, it was uh, Dead Calm, uh, Cry in the Dark. Hunt for Red October, The Piano, which is the film that Anna Paquin run, won an Oscar for when she was about two. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then sort of like on telly he did like Riley Ace of Spies, Cain and Abel. Apparently he was in that Peaky Blinders. Most importantly, of course, he is Malloy in The Simpsons, the jewel thief. In, oh, you know the one where it's like the Springfield cat burglar who yes. just nicks everything. Mm. I did not yeah. realise that. Yeah, that's Sam Neill, where it's just the with the lovely what is it? Um, you see, Malloy's older than you, and he outsmarted all of you, <laughs> and we're older than him, and we outsmarted him. Ha ha ha! Shut up. <laughs> okay, I've had my moment. <laughs> Um, he also did a documentary called Space. Yes, yes. I was going to say yeah, that. Yeah, mm, which yeah. was amazing. Mm. Um, and I bought on DVD. And when yeah, Jennifer was teaching yeah. science... I still teach science. It, I have still stolen it. You still And <laughs> many, many an hour lesson <laughs> has been saved by... Oh, it's Christmas. Should we watch a DVD, children? Yes. <laughs> it's science, though. It <laughs> does present it very well. Mm. Yeah. It does do very and, well. And then you bought me that on DVD. I'm sure you did. I think then. I did, yeah. yeah. I yeah, thought you needed to see it. Yeah. Mm. Things may have moved on from then, so you might need to upgrade to the latest no, Cosmos no, with no, new they, degrees to They, they don't pay yeah. attention enough, it's fine. Well, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, funnily enough, the original Cosmos still is... The Carl Sagan one, yeah. yeah it's still mm. very um, pre- prescient. Yeah. Well, I mean, not much changes, really. Mm. No, it's, it's just depending on what, millions of years. It's just dependent on what you call him, whether you're regarding Pluto as a planet that mm. week. <laughs> that is the most important thing. Yes. 
It ruins the mnemonic, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so, Jennifer, you wanted to sit in on this film because you particularly enjoy it. What is it about this film that you... Because I know that... Obviously, I know that you are a fan of horror, which is just as well, because you'd be <coughs> piss bored most nights if you weren't. Um, but, yeah, I know that this one particularly you are a fan of. So what is it about this that you find stands out for you? Yeah, I mean, it's got lots of twists and turns. It's pretty fast-paced. Mm-hmm. I think I quite like that. It's got that sort of, well, late 80s but early 90s really, isn't it, feel. Yeah. But I always feel it. It feels 80s somehow, but obviously, because it was probably looking back to that sort of era. I was going to say, it was probably shot sort of... Yeah, they were sort of dressed in the 80s really, weren't they? I think the 90s really, (laughs) unfortunately, the 90s really kicks off about 95. Yeah. It's like the 70s is about 1968. Yeah. To 1976, and then the 80s is 77 to 84. Yeah. Yeah. It's not official to the timing, yeah, really, yeah. is it? Yeah. That's it. Midnight, 1980s, suddenly. Yeah. Oh, quick. Put my. Uh, get rid of those shoulder it. pads. Yes. And, uh, the good bit of the 90s starts in 1987 and ends in oh. December, the f- uh, December the 31st, 1994. There you go. Um, but yes, I think it's got lots of twists and turns to it. I like that it's, it's almost a bit too. Like the actual visual horror, it's a bit silly, but it just stops shy of that. And like you said, the bit where they're just explaining and describing when he's looking into the sort of abyss mm. and she's reading it out. That, I thought that's fantastic. Really, like, yeah, 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 that was really mm. clever. And as you say, it's sort of Lovecraft. It's that kind of yeah. describing it or... Um, yeah, M.R. James almost, he always described, didn't he, rather yeah. than seeing the actual horrible thing. And that's kind of, again, where you need someone like Sam Neill who can react... Yes, mm. that yeah. you believe he is mm. seeing what she's reading, and it's like, actually, <coughs> I, I mean, it is that is the most Lovecraft bit because it's kind of like, you're not actually showing anything, are you, cheeky bastard? Yeah, you've just got a really good actress and a really good script to make yeah. it sort of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then when you do see it again, I like the fact that you never see anything in focus, it's no. just lots of teeth and tentacles and strange colour skin, and you never really see what's racing down that hallway. Do I suspect. One of them is one of the things is possibly the engineer from, from Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, reused because yeah. it's not. <laughs> it, it looks exactly like I'm sure. It yeah, is the same just prop, very just, brief. Yeah, because I love that corridor as well because that mm. corridor is just utterly unlike anything else in it. Yeah, because everything else is quite Lovecraftian or sort of like you know the sort of small town America stuff or urban sort of decay sort of stuff and then just in the middle of it you get that really sci-fi corridor but that makes it Mm. perfect somehow Mm. I just thought they've taken a tube you know Mm. they've flooded the tracks haven't they and they're like hey we'll just shoot along here this will be great (laughs) that was great and after that when he comes back out into the real world but again Mm. he's gone a little more mad and falling asleep on the bus and he wakes up (laughs) and everything's blue Mm, I've done that on the bus (laughs) (laughs) actually that's something as well because although he says oh my favourite colour is blue and when he wakes up everything's blue also everyone's eyes turn blue Mm. when they go monstrous and you see the close up in the eye the eyes are always blue that sort of double eye effect yeah I didn't know I didn't know so I saw yeah I saw that on the first guy with the axe who comes at him when they're sitting in the, the coffee shop yeah, yeah, and the dis- basically anyone turning has it because the cop, mm. the demon version of the cops got it. I say all those people the with end. the axes when they surround uh, yeah. him, they've all got it. 
Actually, the kid at the end, who he axes, um, is um, one of the lone gunmen from the X-Files. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's just, yeah, that was just something that came up. <laughs> yes, the other person you asked after, Chris, was Jürgen Prochnow. Oh, yes. Who actually well, played remember. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I've only seen him in June as King Leto. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, which I thought I really liked him in that. Um, yeah, he's I mean, he's just great anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is his backstory? Um, well, he's a German actor. He, mm. His big film, the film film that made his name was uh, he's the captain in Das Boot, um, like the sort of uh, the submarine. It's, I mean, it's, it's World like, War Two. Yeah, World War yeah. Two German submarine film, okay. which is just. It's great, but you do need to basically just carve a chunk out of mm. like, your life to watch it because it's a fucking long. Because I think it is it very detailed. It's or? kind of a, I think it was a mini series, mm. but it's yeah, it's just a very it's it's long, but it's really fucking worth it. But it's yeah. just like and not only that, but also it doesn't really have any. It's just about the survival of that. It's not really about. What side they're on, or anything about that? It's, it's just, just the chaos. Or it's the, it's the horror. Of yeah, being in, it's being in that sort of yeah. environment and in that sort of battle. Mm. And um, but he's also in. Uh, he's Captain Warman in The Keep, which is a film I adore. Oh yes, we saw that at the Prince yeah. Charles. Didn't yeah, we? thank you for that because that was because that's such a rare film to see anyway because it was basically. Michael Mann, who did like Heat and Miami Vice and stuff like mm. that, uh, he made it three hours long. And this was this, I didn't know any of this when I first saw it, but he made it three hours long. And then the studio cut it to fuck to make it fit an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, he got pissed off with it, so it's not, it, it occasionally turns up on streaming sites and then disappears. I was say it was mm. on Shudder for a yeah, period. I but. think it just sort of like sometimes people just get the opportunity to play because because the first time I saw it was on TV and it was like oh it's a forgotten film that was all they sort of build it as um, but yeah so they cut it down to an hour and a half but I think that really works because you watch it and then half crack on I was going to say an hour it, and a half was enough I don't think I could sit three hours three, I do, hours three hours I do think would just be a bit fucking much because I think at that point you just poke holes in it yeah. But, it, but it just everything sort of just moves a damn sight quicker, so you actually okay. just get into it. But so, does he play main roles? He's the main. He's yeah. the main. Well, he's the, essentially he's the hero in that one. Okay. Um, but there, but there's loads of people in that. Ian McKellen's in it, and mm. um, oh, what's his name? Gabriel Byrne turns up as a arsehole SS officer. Yeah, as you say, considering how many people are in it, it's such a little-known... Mm, Tangerine thing. Dream soundtrack. Yeah. Including right at the end where they do um, uh, Walking in the Air. You know, okay. the snowman. Yeah. Because I, I remember the first time I ever watched it, uh, and this would have been, I don't know, I was probably about 13, 12 or 13 or something, it was just on, and I was, I was watching it, I was enjoying it, and I was like, I fucking... Hang on, this is... <laughs> it's the fucking snowman and then just sort of like, oh that's killed that slightly but yeah it's <laughs> yeah because well, it's kind of a slightly haunting that's the sound. thing it, yeah. it works really well until you go for a sort of child's oh, title yeah but apparently that was something that Michael Mann did a lot with Tangerine Dream is he basically said to them I like this track no 
can you Dude. reproduce Dude. it? Spooky it up a bit. Yeah, yeah. and they did it with because right at the start there's a track um, like the opening music to the keep is actually a Brian Eno Dave Byrne track, which I only realised sort of when I finally dug that album out, and I was like, listen, I've sound like like the keep. <laughs> but yeah, so he's Jubilito in that. He was um, uh, he was Maxwell Dent in Beverly Hills Cop Two, apparently. Um, I'll probably rewatch Sir that, Guy Bazeev in Twenty Four. I know you guys watch Twenty Four, so I don't know if that oh, was a long, long time ago. Yeah. There's a lot of terrorists in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's the original woodsman in Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me. Because in the oh, later series, okay. all these guys with like beard basically people who look like Lee Burn turn up but yeah in Fire Walk With Me Jürgen Prochnow is in it he gets a credit at the start of the fucking film doesn't say a word of dialogue and basically slaps his knee twice in reverse <laughs> that is all he's, that's all he does in Fire Walk With Me that sounds about right because that is that, that was always one of those ones where you sort of watch it and the credits roll up and you're going is he? <laughs> what, was he behind a pillar? And it's like, oh, there. Oh, yeah, don't do fuck all. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you hire, that's weird. You hire Jurgen Prochnow to say nothing mm. and, stare, and just sit there. You give David Bowie dialogue. Yeah. You know, get Jurgen Prochnow to, and Jurgen Prochnow could have come back to the third series. They wouldn't have to pretend he turned into a kettle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long, long story. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, then, obviously, she runs over John Carpenter riding his bike. <laughs> Was it? No, it's just because it's just an old man with long hair. Right. So. <laughs> well, I, th- I thought they looked quite funny. They were like, who was that? Yeah. It's just... <laughs> it always reminds me a lot of it, that scene as well, because they have this, the big thing about, again, going back to Stephen King, they have the big mm. thing about the putting the... The uh, cards on the bike wheels mm. in uh, the original it mm. shows. Yeah. That always reminds me. Of See, that. why didn't they in the in the recent one? Why didn't they have Spokey Dokies to update it to the eighties? <laughs> Could have done. Yeah. Could have done. Missed the trick there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the other things I liked was they did talk philosophy a few times. So Sam was really saying, "Look, this is reality. Mm. You, this fiction. Don't get confused." And she's sort of saying, "Well, you know." If you're in the minority, then maybe you are insane mm. or not. Um, that, so they sort of that came up a few times. Yeah, and I think I think that is a, a, a pretty true fact. Yeah, you, know, you mm-hmm. are. It's much in the same as like, you know, what's common sense or or morals. Yeah. Again, it's like, well, if you know, eighty percent of the world believe that, well, that's that. Yeah, you know, yeah. That, well, like, that is the norm. Yeah, like that. slavery. Mm. You know, at the time, it seemed a lot of people didn't realise that was immoral. They couldn't tell. I think also there was probably just the element of, I don't have to do that. Well, it's it. possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it still pushes things quite a long way. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, I'm yeah. sure I'd try and get away with a few things, but maybe not quite that far. No. Um, but yeah, so it is. Yeah, it is interesting with morality how it changes, and mm. once the majority think something, then that kind of becomes true. Yeah. And it, and it's fluid, mm. you know. It can go one way or the other. It can go high, you know. It can go hyper liberal, hyper conservative, and similarly, you know, if enough people and and also there's that thing because this is a, a stuff that like Alan Moore talks about a lot, which is like the world of imagination and things, where he said like, 
you know, in, in your head, Land's End and John O'Groats are right next to each other because that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. you always put the two So, together. and yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, there's, there's, but he's sort of like, he talks about like the concept of imagination space and he said it's like when you get Hollywood will do suddenly, you know, like Deep Impact and Armageddon, suddenly for no good reason there's two fucking meteorite films. Yeah. You know, and it's like somewhere in the imagination land it was just, Oh, it's time for yeah. asteroid films. Yeah, you know, and sort of. Mm. Yeah, it seems to be, but, but yeah, where like Kane is talking about, if enough people yeah, believe my book, really, you know, the Bible. There's more, yeah, more power yeah. in my belief than in the Bible. Yeah, it, if, it, if more people, people are believing it, yeah. yeah. And that church is cracking as well. Mm. Yeah, apparently yes. they just found that. Wow. Oh really? That it's was real, I, I think it was like I think basically I can't remember because it was I think it was on the commentary. I've only watched it with the commentary once, but they um it was like some cult or something like that had but wow. or like a a, a relig- someone quite rich yeah, basically yeah, or a rich group yeah. had <laughs> had commissioned it to be built and then it just didn't the, the thing petered out or they went bust or whatever. And so basically yeah, there was just this fucking Russian church in the middle of Nice. Um, wow. Like a sort of field in America, yeah. It looks very. I mean, I know obviously they can shoot it to, so you don't see what's around it, but it does look like it's in the absolute middle of nowhere. nowhere. I think yeah. that's pretty much how it is. But they wow. it. We've it's... done a nice job, yeah. Great, all right. Let's <laughs> yeah. just go now. On to the next <laughs> thing now. Yeah. I got, no, I'm bored with that. Yeah. I want well, to build an underwater <laughs> cinema next. Yeah. Yeah. Next. yeah, well, that's where they filmed the, uh, the crypt scenes in uh, Prince of Darkness. That's how they get all the water to go up. <laughs> and talking of water, what was that uh, quote that Seb Neil said to Linda? Was it about we fucked up the water? We fucked oh up yeah, the air. we fucked up the air. What was it? We fucked up the air. We fucked up the water. Why not just flush our brains down the toilet? Okay, yeah. but was that from anything? It seemed to suddenly be quite a powerful message that he was. I, I think I think it. Pro- I think that probably just came from, yeah, especially into the nineties. Yeah, actually, the guy. Well, yeah. Wrote, uh, it was yeah. It was written by a guy called Michael DeLuca, who was also the or Lusa, possibly Michael DeLuca, Michael DeLuca, um, who is also the executive producer. He, but he also wrote Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare. Ooh. And the shit judge dread. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, and he one. wrote episodes of Freddy's Nightmares and Star Trek Voyager but he's the executive producer on fucking hundreds of films all of which of varying quality <laughs> <laughs> seriously this list right okay uh, Leatherface The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 yeah. Freddy's Dead The Final Nightmare Ooh. The Mask In the Mouth of Madness The Long Kiss Goodnight Dark City which is a fucking great film mm. yeah Lost in Space wait, wait Dark City is that the one where Richard it's, O'Brien, isn't it? Is yeah, it, but it's, it's a small place, and it's pretending to be like a it's whole a, it's a world city. Yeah, but it's only confined to the city. Yeah, and, and it's like they try and leave it. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah very similar to mm. in the Mouth of Madness, where it's like they you won't try let and you leave, leave, and you yeah. cannot get out. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm sorry. Second time that happens, I'm ploughing into those fuckers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did he take his time to make that? Yeah, my patience just doesn't stretch that far. He did Blade 1 and 2, American History X, Mm. um, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, Magnolia, Ghost Rider, The Social Network, the remake of Fright Night, Dracula Untold, and Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm. 
Like most producers, I think the phrase throw enough shit at a wall and some yeah. of it will stick. <laughs> but I suppose as a producer, there is only so much you can do. With well, I think you basically, you, you, well, you're going to back what you're going to make money off. Mm. You know, yeah, but some of them to us are great and some of them are shit. Yeah. But ultimately, they're all successful. Probably, yeah, they're all in their own right. Yeah. So he did, you know, he was doing, he sort of, and I think he He's really, good at what he does. Yeah, he mm. he was very into sci-fi, very into mm. horror, and really Lovecraft, Lovecraft and Mary Shelley are really the originators there. Yeah. Of the sort of the crossover of sci-fi horror. Yeah. And so, yeah, him creating in the mouth of madness sort of, yeah, does... <laughs> Does seem fairly logical. Yeah. yeah, we have covered a lot of those actually, haven't we? Thinking about it. well, a lot of cars. Yeah, yeah. We did, well, we did. Uh, we've done Prince of Darkness, Big Trouble in Little China. Yes, yes, um, that's true. Halloween three in this, you yeah, know. So yeah, we, that we, is. we 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 we've. We've done a lot of Carpenter, and frankly, I can say, considering out of twenty odd episodes, four of them have been Carpenter. Twenty percent. So we've got the thing to come left. What else? What else is? Oh Christ! Got? There's, there's. Um, I mean, they they live sci-fi, but it's still horror. I think, but it's more yeah. of a sci-fi satire, really. The thing I think we should cover body bags. I'd like to cover because I think yes, it's just, I've not seen it for a long time. Yeah, I'd rewatch that. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, sort of... maybe not the later stuff. Maybe not the yeah vampires or uh, well, I don't know vampires maybe, but yeah, not um, Ghosts on Mars. I don't ever want to. No, Ghosts on Mars. Is, no, it's and I've not even seen the Ward. No, I I've I, still not seen it. It's although, not so what what put you off? The... So he was just a director for hire. So he okay. and, and everybody when it came out, everyone was like, well, it didn't feel like him. Yeah, he didn't okay. put any of his style into it. He just went and. He was being paid to go and shoot it, and he went and shot it, but it didn't feel. Mm. They're still they're still watchable films. That's the thing, John Carpenter. In but no if your way, expectation form, is yeah, yeah, yeah. if it's, you know when you've done mm. the thing, it's funny enough. This was a thing. Uh, someone with someone at work was talking about. They've been to see uh, the Shape of Water. Yes, the Guillermo del Toro film, and he said that because of the hype and because it's been nominated for an Oscar, he sort of at the end of it was a bit. Oh, in that it was a good film. He mm. can't find anything at fault with it, but mm. equally, he was like, I don't know why people are going mad for this. Yeah, and I think it's just it's that same thing. It's like you know, yes, I love Stanley Kubrick. I'm not going to bloody sit through Barry Lyndon again. You know, because it's it looks amazing, but Christ, you know, it's I want the Clockwork Orange. I want The Shining. I don't want you know. Yeah. And I think similarly. Well, what about Space Odyssey? Space Odyssey, I can deal with, but okay. it's still. See, because I've heard several people say it's like still one of the best sci-fi films oh, it, ever. In t- in terms of the the way it looks, in terms of how the tech works, because obviously it was uh, Arthur C. Clarke hmm. uh, was involved, like at the scripting stage, and sort mm. of, it, and obviously it's based on his story and everything. So, um, so a lot of that is very very accurate and feels but. But the trouble is also, as you've got to remember, is going into space is probably a bit fucking boring. And I think that it covers that bit as well. Where it a lot does very, 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 very much. Basically, you but start... But about going mad again, kind of. Yeah, but it's the first 40 minutes. There's no dialogue for 40 minutes. Yeah, so so I put it on the other day. It might have been on Netflix. It was somewhere. Mm. And I thought, oh, I'll start watching it. And I got through the bit with the monkeys, yeah. apes. And I thought actually that was really good, 
you know, as a concept, mm. um, it was interesting. The tribes fighting each other, and then they learn about tools. I think from that from the black monolith, thing, yeah, yeah monolith, yeah. Um, you know, like that was great. And then I'd, for some reason, I had to stop it just as they started the space bit. But, yeah. Um, but that's the thing: is it just because essentially I just get pissed off with the forty minutes, mm, okay. then I get excited again because Linda Rossiter turns up, and that's always <laughs> so. You know, and I understand you know what's happening on the on the moon, Miss <laughs> Jones. Jones. Yeah. Um, so that's quite good. Uh, then it gets a bit dull again, and then it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, look, this is a great 45-minute short about a fucking computer yeah. going mad. Can yeah. we leave the rest of it? Do you know what? That's exactly how I felt about mm. it. And then the end of it as well, I just went, well, I don't understand what any of that meant either. So I just, as you say, I felt it was one of those situations where I was like, if this was a half-hour episode of uh, Tales of the Unexpected, yeah. it would be one of my favourites. Yeah. But as a two-hour movie, it's one of the most painful experiences in my life also the most engaging character is Hal yeah oh yeah which yeah. is a which is a real sort of worry you know <laughs> although I did work out that obviously we used to have Harry we've still got Holly uh, we did have and I used to call him Hal yes um, so yeah we ended up with uh, two computers as cats <laughs> <laughs> and that's why Holly's called Holly is because of Hal From, so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. actually that's something that you might be interested in John Carpenter did a film called Dark Star and it was his student film, so it's. I've it's, still it's, seen Dark Star. I've got it on Blu-ray. We'll just watch it as a thing because it's not. because yeah. it, it can't be construed as a uh, horror in any way, shape, or form. Mm. It features an alien, and it is written by Dan O'Bannon, who wrote Alien and yeah. Dan Berry and stuff like that. But the alien in it is literally a beach ball with two claws underneath it. <laughs> but wow, that. Weirdly enough, has more to... personality than a pool. <laughs> yeah, any of the CGI creatures that have turned up in films subsequent to that <laughs> it's sounding a bit thanks killing. It, it, it has that thing, but basically, yeah, um, it's the it's pretty much like the basis of Red Dwarf. Mm. In so much okay. as it's like three people bitching at each other in a spaceship, <laughs> yeah. and like the captain is the captain's nearly dead. So they've frozen him, mm. but that means they can only consult him for a couple of Briefly, minutes, yeah. like, and then refreeze him before he dies. Uh, one of them is just stuck in the observation bubble, slowly getting stoned. Um, and yeah, and Dan O'Bannon's actually in it as well. And oh, he's, really? Yeah, and he's just um, he's just a great sort of like miserable character. But it's all stuff like them having to argue with the computer because the computer wants to blow them up. Um, <laughs> they accidentally ejected all the toilet paper last week. And it's just, yeah. And then someone has to go and feed the alien and the alien's just like this mischievous ball with claw <laughs> hands who wants to just tickle you if you're hanging out on a ventilation shaft. Yeah, it's a great, great little entertaining film. So, yeah. Definitely need to cover that then. Mm. Um, oh. So, on that subject, um, yes. just to start to wrap it up, yeah. um, next episode, Adam's birthday request, um, which is Deathline. Um, <clears throat> before we close out, Jennifer has a, a in the, the constant theme of the unboxing pong that we have here on the show, Jennifer has bought you both a gift. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, wow. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> wow. I expect you'll see him in all the shops soon. They'll have stolen yeah. the, uh, the rights now. Think, oh. You should do the honours, Adam, and describe it for 
It's it's a key ring. That's right, folks. But it's a, a rare and beautiful thing. <laughs> Welcome to horror. Five thumbs up Whitley Strieber's arse. <laughs> now that is what I call a key ring. Actually, that's a point. So, how many fingers? How, how many tentacles up Whitley Strieber's <laughs> arse for um, in the out, mouth out of, of man? Out of five tentacles. Out of five. Eight, surely, if it's tentacles. I don't know whether to just stick with how excited I was about it and yeah, go for something silly or be serious now. Mm. It's, it's, it's heading towards five. Oh. Fair enough. Was five that out five out of eight. eight or five out oh, well, of eight? I was back on five. Uh, Where did we get eight from? Tentacles. Because of the tentacles. Yeah. You've got to have more. Well, it's, it's getting close to eight then. Uh, it's, it's, cool. it's between seven and eight. Feel the as, a, as a serious. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm. I'm. Well, it's John Carpenter. It's mm. John Carpenter in his prime. I'm going eight tentacles straight up him. I'm going to go for seven and a beak. Oh, because I I do love it. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm going to go with eight. I'm just, Yay! I'm just, I'm just, I really love this, but I don't want to always just give it yes, full marks. Yeah. But. I do love it. It's yeah. one of my favourites. So. Jennifer? Jennifer? Well, I've got to save a tentacle for in case we do Rocky Horror, you see. Oh, so I can't okay. go full out all of the tentacles. No, that's fair enough. So, right. you know, and I'm not sure I like putting an arbitrary, um, but, you know, mark on it. So I'm just going to go day of the tentacle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good answer. Yes. I think we'll have to revisit the marks once we've seen the thing. Uh, yes, and I need to remember what I gave Prince of Darkness. I don't think we even had a rating. No, I don't, I don't. We started was... putting things up Whitley Streamer mm. during the void. I was going to say, yeah, I don't think it was two episodes. Were we inspired by the title? Were we putting things up Whitley Streamer's void? <laughs> <laughs> the poor man. Oh, bless him. One um, thing I will say, though. Oh, go on. Before we, before we close out. One, Mrs. Pickman is, she only started acting at 59. Oh. And she's been in tons of shit. There's yeah, hope for thought, us all yeah, yet. I thought I did recognise her. <laughs> yeah, she's been in loads of stuff, but the main thing is she is Mrs. Tremond or possibly Mrs. Chalfont from Twin Peaks. Yes. Uh. And that really, really, really comes into play in series three of Twin Peaks. Okay. The is tre- that the new, new one? Yeah, the Tremond Chalfont thing. Fucking, yeah. I mean, I can't <laughs> go too far. But she's also in Blue Velvet and Wild at Heart. She's in Twins. Uh, Pit and the Pendulum. Oh, the Stuart Gordon, Lars oh, yeah, Henriksen yeah. one. Um, Critters 3. Uh, Happy Gilmore. Uh, Repo uh, Chip. She's the... She's grandma. grandma yeah. yeah. Happy Gilmore's a brilliant film. Adam Sandler, but it's still a brilliant film. Probably one of his best. Karate Kid Part 3. Oh. And Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... Yeah, just loads of shit, and she's yeah. just great. But the other thing, Vigo. Yes, of, oh shit, I forgot. That was about the one it. we can't forget. Yes, as soon as he appeared, I was like, "Why have I never made that connection? Me I've too. never spotted him before." Vigo. So, so the guy when they get to the church, and the guy oh, with the long hair comes running up with the shotgun. Yes, that's mm. why he's it's, familiar. Yes, it's Vigo from yes. Ghostbusters too. Vigo of Carpathia. What's your thing? It's Vigo. <laughs> it's funny. I kept thinking of Ghostbusters too for something, but not obviously for that at all. Because I hadn't made that link. I think it's because I thought um, Sutter Kane looked a bit like he might have been in it, but he obviously wasn't. <gasps> but I wonder if there was some kind of subconscious, you know. I think they they decided what would Neil Gaiman look like as an old woman, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how they dress Sutter Kane. <laughs> yeah. It's a good look. Yeah, you know. So. 
But sorry, yeah, yeah I had forgotten to do all that. about Vigo. Well done. Yeah, sorry, I just out. and the one final thing because this sits there tantalising Chris. Hobbs End. Yes. Is the tube station in Quite Mass in the Pit. Oh. Oh. And we know that Carpenter's a fan. Oh. Yes. So that's probably where, it came probably from. where that came from, yeah. Of course. It is. Yes. Right. So thanks very much for listening. Um come yes. and engage us on the social medias. I'm sure Adam will put a picture up of these key rings and you cool, know yeah. exactly what we are that is, that is coming, discussing. That is coming out. Yeah. I'm dangling mine. He's dangling. <laughs> the boy's dangling, he is. He's, he's that excited. Ah. Um, yeah, and we will join you in a fortnight's time. So we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Oh, thanks for joining us, Jennifer. Well done. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.